This week on TWIP Weddings, I am joined by photographer Kelly Ewell, who is a wedding photographer from Virginia. Kelly is working on a brand new resource for photographers called the Second Shooter Society. The Second Shooter Society was created to be the leading resource for growing wedding photographers to find support, education, and opportunities as interns, assistants, associates, and second shooters. And we're happy to have Kelly here today to tell us more about it. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. My name is Bruce Clark, and today I'm flying solo. Uh, no Brian, no Robert, but uh, in this week's episode, I am really happy to be joined by a photographer, Kelly Ewell. Did I pronounce it right, Kelly? Did I butcher your Ewell. last name? Very close. Ewell. 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 Kelly Ewell. Uh, and Kelly is a wedding photographer based in Virginia, correct? Yes. I got that right. Excellent. And uh, Kelly is working on a new resource for photographers called the Second Shooter Society. And so we've brought you on this week to talk about your exciting new resource and sort of get your thoughts on finding and hiring great second shooters and what uh, kind of what the Second Shooter Society is going to be all about and all that good stuff. But before we get into the show, we want to remind you how you can participate in the show. We've got several ways to interact with us. First, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com slash weddings. Uh, there you will find the show notes for each episode, which contain links to everything we mentioned on the show. You can also leave your comments and feedback for us in the comment section. Uh, if you have a question or if you'd like to suggest uh, a topic we could cover on a future episode, you can also email us. Our email address is twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you prefer using social media, just add the hashtag twipwed to your post and we'll keep an eye out for your posts there. Uh, we're also on Instagram. You can follow us over there. We're at TwipWed. Uh, and we also have a Facebook group. Uh, lots of activity happening in there. People asking questions and sharing their work. So feel free to join our Facebook group. You'll find that just at facebook.com slash groups slash TwipWed. And without further ado, let's uh, let's jump into the show. So as I, as I mentioned, kind of at the top of the show, we've got Kelly here today. And Kelly is a wedding photographer from Virginia, and I'm going to give Kelly a chance to tell us a little bit about her story. But uh, Kelly's working on a brand new resource uh, for photographers. It's called the Second Shooter Society. And I borrowed this from the website. Kelly, I hope you don't mind. This is kind of the description of the Second Shooter Society. Um, and the Second Shooter Society was created to be the leading resource for growing wedding photographers to find support, education, and opportunities as interns, assistants, associates, and second shooters. And we are very happy to have you here today to tell us more about it. So welcome to Twip Weddings. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited, yeah, to, be here. excited to have you on the show. So you and I had a, had a brief uh, chat a few weeks ago when we were kind of looking to, to bring you on the show. And I think I first learned uh, of you and of the, the Second Shooter Society, I think from Jamie Delane had posted, posted it on her Facebook um, group. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about uh, your, your wedding photographer. Uh, you're based in Virginia. Tell us uh, how long have you been a wedding photographer? Yeah, so um, I am in Virginia, Northern Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C., and I moved here after college, uh, where I was actually a business major, so I didn't begin my career in photography. I began it in TV production. Okay. Uh, my first job was with the company that owns Disney on Ice and Ringling Brothers Circus, and so my dad thought it was really funny to tell all of his friends that I ran away and joined the circus, <laughs> um, but it was really, it was a corporate job, and I was uh, doing anything and everything related to their videos and broadcasts and uh, commercials and, and all of that, so it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Um, did that for a while. I grew up in New Jersey, so I got an opportunity after a few years to move back to New Jersey to go work for NFL Films, 
I uh, couldn't pass that one up, so I went up there. At the time, my husband and I had really just started dating, so we were doing the whole long distance thing. And um, at the after the Super Bowl, I didn't want to be unemployed until training camp started up, so I moved back to D.C. for him, and luckily it worked out. Um, that time that I was trying to figure out what my next job is, and I had this realization that for so many years I've been working with everybody else's photos and videos, and I'm a creative person, and why can't I do this myself? So I started studying photography, and as part of my uh, credits, I interned with a wedding photographer and just loved everything about it. So I interned for her uh, for a season. Uh, the next season, I was her second shooter, and then decided I just had to, if I was going to do it, I had to take the leap. Uh, so this is my eighth year, 2016, will be my eighth year shooting weddings, and I still love it as much as the beginning. Fantastic. Yeah, I had a chance to check out uh, check out your work and some beautiful work that you do. So let's go back then. I want to go back to how you kind of got that start. You mentioned that you started out um, interning with another wedding photographer. Um, so how did that how did that work? Because we had we had talked about this back on a previous episode. We had a whole episode where we talked more specifically about finding second shooters, I guess, was our was kind of our focus. Um, but I'm curious and want to learn more kind of about the associate and the intern um, internships. So how did you get started as an intern? Yeah, so I think I have a little bit of an advantage just uh, maybe not advantage but I'll say I, I was a little different than other photographers and that I wasn't just reaching out saying hey I want to be an intern hey I want to be a photographer I was in school for it so it was something I needed to get credit for so I kind of had this backing or support of the school saying yes you know this is a legitimate thing and you know we do require that she does work for you and and so there's a little bit more structure to it and I kind of treated it like a job you know I had been working in the corporate world before that so you know, I had a resume and I put a portfolio together and I also did my research I didn't just kind of mass blanket the people in the area I was pretty specific about who I wanted to reach out to because I wanted it to be somebody whose style I admired and kind of wanted to emulate in some way or learn about um, you know for practical reasons I wanted it to be somebody who was nearby and you know not you know super far away sure. so I had a kind of almost the criteria that I put together for myself um, and then had kind of my top five to reach out to. And it was really my first person who was the top of my list that I reached out to um, kind of center my information, explained what I was looking for and um, how I thought it might work. And we met up for coffee and then, you know, that was kind of the start of it there. Kind of went from there. That's great. Yeah. I think that's awesome because uh, you know, I think all, all of us have probably received an, you know, an email or phone call, most likely an email these days from a new photographer who's just kind of getting started um, and, and you can tell that they're pretty much just carpet bombing every single photographer, you know, in their, in their general area, uh, wanting to shoot, but they're not really saying what they bring to the table or what they can offer. Um, we work here with the, with the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology, Nate, um, and they're a technical school and they have a, a, a photography program. And so we often will bring on, uh, some of the Nate students as, uh, as interns or associates, because again, they're doing it for their work experience and really happy to, you know, work with the Nate students. We know they're coming from a really good program. And again, there's some structure to it in terms of what they have to do. But then we also get a lot of inquiries just from random, you know, random photographers that again, you can tell are kind of just, they're just throwing it out there, carpet bombing everybody. And they don't, they haven't really done that, their research. They haven't, they're just not really doing it with any kind of intent. And we're much less likely to want to offer them any kind of an opportunity over, say, somebody like it's coming from the program. So that's that's interesting um, approach. So what would your so your advice? Um, obviously, 
do your research. Um, what would be some other advice for um, newer photographers that are kind of coming up in the market? Maybe they're not going to school. Maybe they're not going to college or school for photography. What would your advice be if they're looking for internships? Because I'd imagine it would be fairly hard these days because a lot of the photography studios typically are just independent. We call them solopreneurs. How would you approach a photographer in this day and age if you weren't going to photography school and have that kind of backing behind you? Yeah, and I think that's probably the you know what the majority of photographers out there are either self-taught or just still learning along the way without the school. And um, yeah, there is a lot of competition out there. So I mean, it's generic to say, but you have to find what sets yourself apart. And nobody can really answer that for you. But you know, you at the same time you can you know be humble. Don't feel entitled that I you know, you're due or deserving of this internship. It's a very humble approach, I think, that you need to take because you're still learning in a lot of ways and hopefully you're there to be serving and helpful to your lead photographer. So I think that's a big uh, piece of it or at least part of the attitude that you need to have. Um, doesn't help to, or it, it doesn't hurt to, to compliment the photographer that you're reaching out to or tell them why, why them, you know, make your, your outreach to them personal and specific to them, um, you know, how can you help them specifically, what specifically about them appealed to you? Um, and, you know, if you're the one reaching out for this internship, in theory, you have reason to do it and you're, you're looking to get something out of it. So, you know, propose how it would work, what you would offer them, what they might give back to you in return. Uh, make sure it's at least balanced. You don't want to be taking more than you're giving. Um, and you may think, well, I'm new, what can I give? But, you know, there's a lot you can, mm -hmm. you know, everybody has to start somewhere, whether it's carrying bags or, you know, retrieving a lens or, or switching out film if you're, you know, a, a film shooter. So there's uh, just coming in kind of with that servant and helpful attitude can get you a long way. Be good at communication, um, good at follow up and making sure you're on the same page without being overbearing is probably helpful, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are all, all it's all great advice because, uh, you know, you do get a lot. I've had, I've had photographers who maybe they've, they're brand new to the, to the industry. They've been, you know, maybe shooting less than six months and they want to do some sort of an internship or they want to come and learn from you. And I've had them ask the first question, like, what do you pay your interns? That's kind of the first question. It's, you know, sort of, you have to give pause there and sort of say, well, wait a minute, if you're, if you're wanting to intern, the payment is going to be the experience and, and the education that you're going to receive essentially. Um, so that's maybe the wrong, that might not be the best approach to come at a photographer and right away ask them like, how much do you pay your interns? Um, that's kind of the, as the lead in is the first kind of introduction to them. Right. Right. And it's like any job interview, if you were going into the corporate world, you wouldn't lead off with how much are you going to pay me? Um, you know, and I know, I think there's some laws in the U.S. that are either changing or coming out more now that interns, you know, can't really work for free. There has to be some kind of compensation. It could be school credit, but, um, you know, a lot of people just do want to volunteer and they don't want that pay because they are in it for the experience. So if you're coming in it with your first question is, how much are you going to pay me? Well, a lead photographer might start to wonder, well, what are you really in this for? Yeah. Yeah, it can be challenging for sure. Um, so, uh, so. Let's talk a little bit then about um, your experience. So you started out as an intern, and how long did you say you interned for a year? Um, it was most of the wedding season. I don't know that it was quite a full wedding season, but it was at least uh, half a year. Yeah. Probably a what, were, what did you learn the most in that in that first wedding season that you that you worked as an as an intern? I, were you shooting, or were you mostly assisting? And I was shooting. Um, 
I, I was never billed as the second shooter when I was the intern. I was there, uh, you know, as the assistant. The clients, uh, you know, the couple that who was getting married knew I was going to be there, but they weren't expecting me to be a second shooter. Uh, they knew I was there kind of learning and assisting. So that took a little bit of pressure off of me. But I still remember my first wedding going out. I was so nervous. I wanted to do well. I didn't want to disappoint, even though I didn't have that expectation of having to produce anything. Um, but, you know, the chaos of a wedding day is really, you know, it is organized chaos. And so I learned what goes right, what goes wrong, you know, what to expect, how to anticipate moments, um, how to deal with a family who might be unhappy with something or, you know, there was always family dynamics. So you learn oh, yes. how to navigate those um, and just, you know, the flow of a wedding day and, and what kinds of shots I should be getting, what a bride might or might not expect. Um, it's kind of a, you know, trial by fire of everything weddings as an intern. And I felt by the time I went off and did my own weddings, I felt so much more prepared because I had that experience and I wasn't just jumping in. Um, just, you know, ready to go right from the start. Yeah. Do you see a lot of photographers, newer photographers these days, kind of jumping into the fire uh, with little to no wedding experience and also becoming kind of the main primary shooter? They sort of, they, they get the fancy camera for Christmas and they think that, that shooting a wedding is a quick way to, you know, make a quick buck. And, and they jump into their first wedding with never having even been to a wedding in some cases. And then, you know, never having, so they're, they're trying to deal with all the technical and the photography aspects of it. But, all that, all the intangibles on a wedding day. Do you, do you see that a lot, or do you think photographers are have figured it out and are, are are going the path of trying to intern and, and second shoot before they jump into the fire with, with both feet? I don't know if it's a lot, but there's definitely a contingent of photographers out there that do that, or people that see, oh, this must be easy money. You only work one day a week, and you get to hang out at a wedding and have fun. And I think you quickly realize that that's certainly not the case. Um, but I think people are just, you know, if you have that passion and you want to be a wedding photographer, you, that's what you want. You want to make it happen. So any opportunity that comes up, you want to jump at it and take it, I think is probably most people's instincts. Um, hopefully you're educating your client that you are new and that, that, you know, to set their expectations and that everybody is, is knowing how things are, you know, what the outcome could be. Um, and in moment, my personal opinion in cases like that is probably going to be somebody who has a lower budget. They don't maybe value photography as much. So they're willing to take a chance on a newer photographer who might cost them less in the end. Um, and then take that risk of not knowing what kind of photography they're going to get in the end out of a newer photographer. I think most people do want a second shoot because they see that as a way to gain that knowledge and to gain that experience in a little bit less uh, pressured environment. Yeah, for sure. Because there's so much competition for that too. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so you interned for that first year and then in that second year, you kind of evolve more into, into second shooting. Were you doing your own weddings as well or were you primarily just second shooting? No, I was primarily, I was just second shooting for her. I wasn't doing any weddings of my own. Um, I think because I didn't feel ready. I never like to be one to be put on the spot or to feel unprepared or out of place in any kind of situation. And so I think I felt that I just wanted to make sure I had a solid, you know, because weddings, you, you, you're always, un, not that you're always unprepared, but you're always being thrown things that you uh, didn't expect. And so I wanted to make sure that I had that background, that I knew what my resources within me were going to be to be able to handle anything that came up. 
Um, so I was second shooting uh, that entire year for her, and I think almost to a fault, <laughs> looking back now, I think I was almost too loyal because she was the only person I second shot for. And I did a lot of shooting for her, um, but I can remember thinking at the time, like, oh, if I go, if I go a second shoot for somebody else, like, is she going to be mad? Is she going to be upset that I'm like, am I betraying her in some way? Right, yeah. I think it was really because I didn't know that, you know, people who second shoot, they, they, unless you have an exclusive agreement, which I think is probably a little rare, people second shoot for different people all the time. And it's a way to learn a lot more because everybody's got their own style too. Um, so I felt very, um, I wasn't looking to go out and second shoot for other people too. And I think, I mean, I certainly learned a lot from, from what I had and I don't regret that at all. But I think uh, looking back now, that might've been something I would have done different is look for other second shooting opportunities too. Yeah. Do you think you would have benefited from looking uh, to second shoot with somebody that had a very different style at all? Or do you think it's just um, somebody with a similar style, but just to, to see how they approach it? I probably would have gone for somebody with a similar style, uh, but just looking to see if they approached it differently. And if, you know, if I had done that and found that everybody whose style I liked was doing a similar thing, maybe I would have tried going with somebody different just to see just to see something different and see how that worked for me or not. Um, but it did, you know, as a second shooter and as the intern, especially, it gave me the freedom to experiment with um, different lenses. Um, you know, I learned manual as, as an intern, so that was definitely um, a learning curve there. Um, different light modifiers, um, different ways to light a reception I played around with. So I had that freedom to make mistakes and learn new things as I was learning too, and not doing it on a client's, you know, on a couple's dime per se. Right. Yeah. It's a little more, you can't take some of those risks and, and some of that experimentation sometimes when you're the main primary shooter, right? Because you have to get the, the, the quote unquote safe shots, I guess. So you, sometimes you have a little less latitude. If you have time in the day, then there's sometimes there's time to experiment, but you have to focus on getting the main, you know, those primary shots first. Right. So that's, I still second shoot to this day. You know, I've been shooting for eight or nine years and I still second shoot a lot. Um, so when I don't have our own weddings, um, I, there's about three or four photographers that I second shoot with regularly. And I really enjoy it because it does take a little bit of that pressure. I mean, I still want to do a great job for them and, and work really hard, but it does take a little of that pressure off and you can, you have, it gives you a little of that freedom, I guess, to experiment. And then if you find something that works, then you can bring that into your, you know, into your repertoire and into your toolkit. Yeah, because there's nothing like learning at a, at a wedding. I mean, you can't, people go to style shoots and they make very pretty, um, you know, detailed table shots and they can work on their posing a bit with the, you know, brides and group models that are there, but you can't really rep replicate a really dark reception in a big room with lots of people and, you know, a bouquet toss or a cake cutting, you know, all those things are, are hard to get out of a style shoot that you might go to. Um, so having that flexibility as you're learning as an intern or as an assistant um, is invaluable. Yeah, there's all the, just all these little things. Like even just this last weekend, we had a wedding and we had a, an intern um, with us and um, she didn't know how to pin on a boutonniere. <laughs> and I said, well, you're going to have to learn because I said, that's something you're going to probably end up doing a lot. <laughs> Particularly, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I actually, a year or so ago, I did a blog post all about the five unexpected skills I had learned as a photographer that had nothing to do with photography. And you know, hitting on a boutonniere was absolutely one of them. 
um, you know, how to put in a veil. Um, I haven't mastered a bow tie yet, so maybe that'll be a goal for this. <laughs> There's YouTube videos for that though, because I, I know we've seen that several times when we're photographing the guys getting ready and they're all again, like, mad scramble and got their phones out trying to figure out how to, how to tie a tie or tie a bow tie. Yeah. That's great. I want to put a link to that blog uh, post. So you have to send me a link to that and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes so people can, uh, can read that. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, all the in- intangible things that, like I say, you can't really teach them in school. Um, they don't teach them in photography school. I don't, at least uh, not that I'm aware of. I don't think that's part of the curriculum. Um, it's how to pin a boutonniere or put a veil in, but it's it's an important part of the day. Like I think a lot of our couples, when we work with them, unless they're working with a planner, but even the planner is not necessarily with them every moment of the day. Usually the planner is there maybe a little in the morning and then they're off maybe to the venue to to get stuff rolling. Typically we're the only resource that's with them throughout the entire day and probably have the most wedding experience of anybody that's going to be with the couple. So if something goes off the rails or goes sideways, typically they're going to look to us to help them get out of that pinch. <laughs> have you experienced that before? And, and can you give me an example of something you've run across that you've had to kind of step in and be the, I guess, the wedding planner or the wedding coordinator? Right. Yeah. You know, it happens uh, not often, but, you know, anytime it happens is more than you want it to, because of course you want your couples to have the most perfect day ever, but without a doubt, you know, something, you know, even if it's a little thing is going to go wrong. I, I keep with me now um, a, I call it my emergency kit and I've got all sorts of things in there from scissors and sewing kit and bug spray and sunscreen and you know all the little things that a planner probably keeps with them too um but like you said a planner's not often around and i had one bride a few years ago she was the nicest bride sweetest most laid-back bride um and we were doing uh portraits of uh bride and groom before the ceremony and she just leaned down to put her bouquet on the ground and the zipper in the back of her dress just Oh, no. And I felt so bad for her. But but that was just the trigger that I think she was just so nervous for her day. And she just kind of burst into tears. And, you know, at at that point, all bets were off. You know, there were no more photos of the two of them uh, being taken. So we had to buzz her uh, maid of honor to come over. And um, it was a hotel wedding. So we had to try and contact the concierge. Did they have a sewing kit? you know, my stuff was uh, not anywhere near us at the time because we were out, um, you know, kind of walking around through this neighborhood section. So we had to get her back to the hotel and sew up the dress, which took a lot longer than, you know, expected. So they kind of missed their cocktail hour, too. But, oh, geez. you know, so it's it's all those things you have to be prepared for. You know, I'm not a seamstress, but I need to know how to sew up a dress now. Yeah. Expect the unexpected. Kind of like if you watch Big Brother, it's expect the unexpected, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so anything that can, will will or can go wrong will go wrong. Is that the, the other the, the other saying? I mean, you hope again that nothing ever ever goes wrong, but inevitably you're gonna over your years, something you're gonna encounter something. Something's gonna happen. Um and you're probably gonna be the one that they look to, um, most likely, just because based on our experience, right? So I think that's a, those, those intangible things that we learn as wedding photographers um, are, are so valuable and so important. So I think as an intern or as a second shooter, those are things that you, you know, should be observing. And, and that's where you learn that stuff, I think, is just by doing. So the more you can kind of do that, the, the better, I think, equipped you'll be for, uh, you know, for weddings of your own when you get into that. So. So, so you had some, you know, a few years under your belt of interning and, and, and second shooting, and then you you decided to take the the chance and kind of dive in with both feet and, and shoot your own wedding. How, how was that? How was shooting your own first wedding by yourself? Do you remember your first wedding by yourself? 
And were you by yourself? Um, I was by myself, yeah. I didn't have a second shooter for many of the first weddings I did. Um, and I'm trying to think of the first, the very first wedding, and sadly I can't remember it, but I do remember. Um, I, it was the first year. Um, it was a, a short wedding. It was a couple who only wanted me for four hours. Um, I was fine with that because they wanted to hire me. So um, it was at a, a darling little place. But there was a hurricane forecast to come through that weekend that was going to start that afternoon. Um, So the bride called me the day before and asked if I was flexible. Could we move the wedding up from the afternoon and evening to first thing in the morning? And when couples book me, I just block off the entire day for them. You know, whether, you know, typically it's eight, nine hours or so that I'm working. But I really just block off the entire day for them so I'm not caught up in anything else. And so I was. I was flexible. And we we moved the wedding up. and. some of her vendors weren't flexible to do that. So I know that in the end, she was very appreciative for anybody who was able to accommodate this need because a hurricane did come through, you know, later that weekend. Um, so that was, that was something to learn quickly uh, as a new shooter. Yeah, dealing with weather and what to do when it rains or Mother Nature doesn't cooperate. Because again, most times you can you can tell your client and pre-warn them and say you should have a backup plan. But inevitably, I find that they don't. Um, they never listen to that advice. And, and and it comes to the wedding day and then they look to you and you're, you're kind of on the spot for that, right? So again, being prepared and having a backup plan, all those kinds of good things are, you know, important things to be aware of, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I meet with couples before they book me, sometimes they'll ask me, have you ever worked at my venue before? And I mean, I know how I answer that question, but I never know if the couple is somebody who's been to your venue because they're familiar with it or it's not a big deal to you and you don't care. So I always tell couples that, you know, around here in Northern Virginia, there's so many options. I could be at a park or a monument or a restaurant or a ballroom or a mansion or a winery or whatever it is. You know, there's so many different types of venues around here. And I love that. I think that's great because I don't feel like I'm taking the same pictures for the same, you know, for just for a different couple from weekend to weekend. So right. You're in the same hotel ballroom. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. So to me, it kind of fuels my creativity. Um, But if I get a sense that I feel like a couple is, is nervous about that, I will always say, you know, even if I haven't been to your venue before, if I've not shot a wedding there, I never show up to your wedding unprepared or having not been there. If I've not been there before, I'll go out in advance and I'll scout out, here's where your ceremony will be, here's your reception, here's three different options of where we can take photos indoors and outdoors so that so that if it does rain, if there is whatever kind of weather and we can't go outside in the gardens, if you know that's where she wanted, I'm not wasting time saying, oh, you know what, hang tight for like 10 minutes, uh, let me just, let me look around, I'll be right back. You know, because then I'm wasting their time, that's not, not what they hired me for. So I feel... And, and it's partly for my peace of mind, too, because I know I have a plan and I'll know how to you know, prepare for that in advance, given, you know, whatever may be coming to me that day. Yeah. So you mentioned the first few weddings that you did as, as, as the solo shooter. You didn't have a second shooter. Do you now do you have a, a second shooter that you work with regularly or is it, does it depend on the wedding or? Um, I have a few that I pull from and Again, I always tell my clients I'm very particular about my second shooters because um, the way I work is as many options are a la carte when they book me. So most of my uh, bookings do have a second shooter, but there's the option not to have one. And so I always talk about why it's good and, you know, the value of having one. And I also stress that I'm, you know, I know you're making an investment in having a second shooter. And so here's why or here's how I value that back to you. 
And I tell them that I don't consider a second shooter, you know, somebody who should be learning. To me, that's an intern or assistant, and I may bring somebody like that along, and I would let them know if I do. But a second shooter is somebody who's really an extension of me. They're not another lead photographer, but, you know, there's somebody who, if something happened to me, would be able to carry on the day in the same professionalism and skill and style and everything that I would want out of myself. And so I give some examples of the types of people that I've worked with in the past. Uh, for example, I will tell them, you know, one uh, second shooter is, you know, they're all wedding photographers in their own right, but for whatever reason, they're not running their own businesses at the moment. One was a military mom. She knows that she and her husband and her family have moved to D.C. just for two or three years, and then she's moving back to where, you know, their home state. So she didn't want to go through the hassle of setting up a business and trying to get clients when she knows she's here temporarily, but she still wants to shoot and keep active and, you know, and all of that. Um, somebody else is a lawyer during the day. It's a conflict of interest for her to run her own business. Uh, she deals with kind of dry tax law. So wedding photography is her creative outlet, and that's what she does on the weekends. Um, somebody else, you know, just had her third baby in, you know, four or five years. So she's very busy at home, doesn't have time to, to run a business. But again, she wants to get out of the house and keep shooting and keep, at, keep active for when she can restart her business. Um, so those are the types of people, you know, I meet through networking and just, you know, knowing the community. And so I'm very particular about picking people who are very skilled at what they do. Excellent. Yeah, no, that's great. And I like the way that you kind of position them to your clients as well, rather than it's just kind of some, you know, it's not just some random person, at least random to the client, um, you know, on the wedding day, right? You've kind of prepared them again, setting those expectations. We've had that discussion many times about setting expectations for, for everything. Um, and it's such, it's, it's so critical to avoiding any kind of problems or issues, right? Is setting those proper expectations when it comes to the second shooter, because again, they are a representation of you and your, and your brand, right? So you want to make sure that the person you're bringing in is, is going to be, you know, representative of your brand, but also, um, you know, going to work with the couple and, and, and be a, a good fit as well. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that I also talk to my couple about is I don't get asked the question very often, but every once in a while, somebody will say, well, can I see your second shooter's portfolio or can I see their work? And I pick, can I pick out which one you use? And I'll say, well, you know, I do edit every photo theirs and mine so that they work as a collection because I don't really want you to know unless you know where who was standing where I don't really want you to be able to tell what's their photo and what's mine because I want them to be work as a collection uh, together and and if you're able to see a distinction of style then maybe I'm not picking the right second shooter to proper properly you know represent you know and carry out my style too um, and there'll be albums that I can flip through and point through and say, okay, well, you know, this was a second shooter shot and this was mine. And, um, but, you know, I, I don't like to separate theirs out because, you know, ultimately they're hiring me and my photography, uh, you know, as, as the, as the company that they hire for their wedding. Yeah. Right. And I think it's important yeah, to point out this, you, you want it to be a cohesive body of work, right? You don't want it to be very dis different, right? If their stuff looks you know, wildly different from your stuff, it's just not going to look good. It's not going to look cohesive. So tell me then about the impetus for the second shooter society. So you've been shooting now, um, you know, as the main shooter and you've had your own business now for several years. And so you had this idea, when did the idea for the second shooter society um, come about? Yeah, so it's really just been kind of years of observing and, and knowing the ins and outs of the industry and, and kind of what I encounter, what others encounter that, you know, the second shooter can be so underappreciated sometimes, right? You know, they're, 
they're kind of pushed to the side. They're not really, emails aren't responded to if somebody's, you know, reaching out. So sometimes you can feel very unwelcome. Um, if you're a newer photographer, you just don't even know where to start. If you're a lead photographer looking for to hire a second, you know, maybe you can ask your friends, maybe they will or won't share who they work with, you know, are your regular people going to be available all the time? You know, you can go to Facebook. I think that's what a lot of people do, all these Facebook groups and, you know, post to eight of them and then you get 80 responses and then you have to go back to each, you know, person who responds and look at their website and learn more about them. So there's no uh, really efficient way of going um, about to, to make these connections and, and you know, to kind of honor, not, I mean, honor may not be the wrong word, but, you know, promote and help a second shooter and, you know, help uh, an upcoming photographer get a leg up and get their start if they really have that passion. Um, you know, I've been working on, you know, what are the core values of the Second Shooter Society? We believe that everybody can have, everybody deserves an opportunity, um, but you have to put in the hard work too. So those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, and if somebody know, has that passion, is going to be willing to make the work and um, commit, come at it with the right perspective, then, you know, they're going to have a lot better opportunity to be successful in the market or in the industry. So uh, the Second Shooter Society is really going to have two components. On one side, as we said, we feel like education is very important to everybody, um, but especially the newer photographers. So we're going to have a lot of online uh, free education to people. Um, reaching out to some of the voices that people know and respect within the industry, but there's so many other people who are equally as talented and knowledgeable that maybe just haven't found um, a way to get started with, with giving out what they know. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of variety in that. Um, the hopes down the road can expand into some webinars. We'll have an online store uh, with templates and guides and things like that. Uh, we sent out a survey recently of what people would be interested in having, and gosh, I put out so many options and there was really no, uh, not a lot of distinction. Everybody kind of wanted to see a little bit of everything. So uh, there was some, uh, some interest in putting together like a conference or a workshop. And that is not something that is in our immediate plans, but perhaps down the road. Um, but then the other side of it is making those uh, job connections and having a centralized, easy to use, updated, robust database of photographers where uh, lead, lead photographers can go and either proactively go out and post a job and say, this is my job, where it is, when it is, what my pay is, what I'm looking for, and have people respond to them. Then they'll immediately be able to just click through the database, see everybody's profile, um, some of their portfolio gallery. So it'll be a lot easier to use and have it all as a centralized resource. Um, or you can just sort through the database and see who you find and reach out to um, and, and find your match that way too. Oh, interesting. Okay. So sort of like Tinder for second photographers. <laughs> swipe <laughs> right, swipe left. Yeah. I've heard about it, but I've never been on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> so will there be, um, will there be a place like for like kind of a, a rating or a feedback system? Cause I know that's a lot of systems that, you know, have the ability to kind of rate somebody. So whether they, you know, give some feedback. Cause I know that's sometimes something that's missing. You, you might want to hire somebody, but if you don't know a lot about them, yeah, you can look at their work, but sometimes even from that, it's very difficult to tell like what's their personality like. I mean, obviously you want to do your due, due diligence and, and probably meet with them and interview them and, and go through that process. So are you planning to have any type of like a rating system or a feedback system on the, on the site so people can kind of go through and see how other people kind of reviewed or, or rated the photographers? 
I hope to. When I sat down and put together all the features and, and ideas that I wanted to put into our website, that was definitely on the list. Um, as I've gotten into it, um, funny enough, I have had legal counsel say I shouldn't do it because it's a legal issue. Um, if it's not policed right, uh, we could come into some libel issues, um, slander, all, you know, I always mix up those two. But anyway, there are some uh, legal issues that I've been advised not to have a rating system or app. But I love the idea of a feedback system or your page has been viewed so many times. Um, so our first, when we fully launch the website uh, this spring, that component might not be part of it, but I'm hoping that we can find a way to incorporate that somehow. Yeah, maybe some type of like a reference system where they can list, here's, here's other photographers that I have worked with, and then right. they can kind yeah. of make it easier to connect with those and say, okay, I see that you worked with photographer X, I can contact photographer X and, and ask them for a little feedback. Um, yeah, so that is that is different than um, a review or a rating system. So something like that is actually probably what we're going to end up doing. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So what have you seen? I'm sure you've kind of surveyed the landscape a little bit out there in, in deciding to set up um, this this group. What have you seen? Is there is there anything else out there right now besides the things you mentioned, like the Facebook groups and things like that? Is are there what resources currently exist for? You know, for those that maybe want to go the route of being like an, an associate or a second shooter and maybe aren't interested in starting their own businesses, have you seen much out there for photographers along that path? Or is a lot of it geared towards solopreneurs that want to start their own photography business? Yeah, so as I was doing my research for this, there are there are a few sites out there that are similar. Uh, there are, some of them are not designed well, in my opinion. Some of them are just not very robust and don't have a good um, good selection of available photographers as part of it. So there's kind of some things that I've seen lacking that I, you know, obviously want to remedy with this. And none of the sites that I've seen out there that do this have any kind of educational component. So I think that's one of the things that's going to make the Second Shooter Society quite different from anything. Um, but unfortunately, I think a lot of it right now, I mean, obviously there's a lot of educational sites out there, but if you really want to make those connections and get started in with somebody, it's it's hard. It's a lot of who you know or who you meet. So you know, you can go to a meetup or some networking groups um, and hope that you find somebody who you connect with and strike up a conversation. Um, you know, but also don't discount people who are in the same boat as you. As You know, if you have somebody else who's new, who you know, um, you know, don't think that that's not valuable, too, because as you are growing together, you're each going to make kind of, uh, you know different connections and experience different things that you can share those experiences. It's almost like a little business buddy. You know, so many of us are uh, you know, solo business owners that you know gets a little solitary and a little lonely as you're sitting in your office the whole time. So it's good to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. Um, and you know, if in, it might as you start to grow and you have some referrals that you can hand out to them and they can hopefully return the favor to you. And um, so it's not always somebody who is established and who has made it, you know, and, and you know, whatever that means <laughs> to people, yeah. but it's, uh, you know, anybody in the other vendors that you make connections with um, can help refer you too. Yeah. And they're running businesses just like we are. Right. So there's a lot of the business side of things, whether you're doing photography or whether you're a planner or whether you're doing some other like designing invitations or a florist, there's all the business aspects of it. I think are very, very similar. There's a lot of crossover between, you know, there's a lot of similarities from business to business, right? We're still dealing with business. So I see a lot of that with, um, you know, we have a lot of 
we've got local colleges, but also just local schools here. And I teach at one of the local photography schools. And uh, you do see a lot of those friendships kind of form, you know, between two newer photographers, maybe that are starting out and they just kind of connect and, and they kind of support each other along the way. So I think that's a great, um, you know, a great point kind of doesn't necessarily have to be somebody established because sometimes the, the, the challenge with established photographers is sometimes they're a little reluctant to, to train their competition. There is that element, right? That they don't want to necessarily reveal all their, <laughs> all their tricks and secrets. Cause you know, in a way they're kind of training their competition. Um, so sometimes there's less, I guess, a fear of that if you're both kind of starting out and, and helping yourself. Now there's, there's the other side of it as well. Maybe you're, you're teaching each other the wrong, the wrong ways to do it too. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a catch 22 there, but um, I think definitely I've seen a lot of that um, with a lot of photographers where they kind of just find somebody that they connect with. And they both kind of, they're running their own separate businesses, but they kind of build their businesses um, together, if that makes if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, and there's actually, um, in my local area here, I know of a couple of photographers, uh, this is maybe a, a year or so ago, but they were both newer, but they both were almost scared to make the jump into, um, you know, doing different things sometimes. Like, uh, there was a workshop they both wanted to go to, but separately, they both felt I don't know if I'm good. Like, am I good enough to even go to workshops? Like, I don't want to be the dumbest person in the room. You know, I don't want to, how do I know that I'm even good enough to like go talk to these, you know, big photographers and learn from them? I, I think I need to learn more before I even go to a workshop, which is a little counterintuitive, but they both, when they talk to each other, felt like, okay, well, if you go, I'll go, you know, we'll, right. we'll at least have a partner in crime. Um, and, you know, that was great for them because they're getting out there and, and getting educated. And it was a good workshop that they went to. And so I think without having that, you know, that friend to go with, um, they might've missed out on an opportunity otherwise. Yeah. I know they're trying to do something like that at, I think at WPPI this year, I talked to Jason group and they're trying to do something along those lines where you can kind of like, if you don't, cause there are people that go that maybe don't know anybody else that's going. I mean, they might be a little intimidated. So they have kind of like a find a buddy type program where you can find somebody who's maybe new. It's their first time going to WPPI and then kind of uh, pair up with somebody who's gone a few times or just, you know, looking for a little guidance or just, just that support system. Cause it can be, you know, photography is a very yeah, solo uh, endeavor. It can be kind of a lonely existence. Sometimes we spend a lot of time in front of a computer kind of isolated from, you know, the public and society. So it's kind of nice to have that support network and that support system out there. So yeah. kind of learn from, so, um, so we had this conversation when we talked back on, I think it was episode 16. We had a, a talk about second shooters and how do you go about finding great second shooters? Do you think that in this, in this market, in this kind of current economy and day and age, do you think being a full-time second shooter is a viable career option? Hmm. Like we talked about that as possibly a business model where you actually became just a, uh, you know, a, a full-time second shooter. I would love to see it. I don't think it's very common, at least around, uh, around here, but I think, gosh, there's so many reasons I could see why people would want to do it. Um, yeah, it does have to be a business model. And, you know, like you said, to be a full-time job, you'd obviously having, be having to make a comparable or, or a livable salary, mm-hmm. which either you'd have to be second shooting a lot or, you know, establish, really establish yourself. This is what I do and specialize in it and just own it. Um, but I think that you might also have to get in with people who, value a strong second shooter and and really incorporate that into your into their prices so that they can you know pay what would have to be a livable wage for that too 
And I right. guess it would depend, you know, are you just shooting and being done with it? Are you editing and calling? Or, you know, a lot of times second shooters aren't tasked with that, but, you know, something to think about too. I think it would be a really interesting idea. Yeah, we kicked around and talked about it. And I know Brian, Brian was quite intrigued by the idea and he thought that it might be, a, you know, something to consider is there, you know, there may be an opportunity because there are some photographers who they're fantastic photographers. They love to shoot. They love the creative side of it, but they absolutely abhor the business side of it. They just do not, they just, they don't want to do it, but they, they have to do it because it's the only way that they can make a go of it. Um, but so he brought up that idea of maybe there's an opportunity for, um, you know, a second shooter to become more like a, a hired gun that that's what they do. That's their business model. And that's all that they do is, is second shoot. Yeah. You'd almost have to be the luxury market of second shooters for that. I would think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a Cadillac of BMW of second shooters for sure. So, well, that's great. So, um, where, where's, where are things at today? We're recording this, uh, kind of in March. This will go out in, in a little while, but, um, where are things at today and where do you see, what, what can you see right now if we go to the second shooter society and where will we be in a few, in a few months or what, what's kind of your timelines for the second shooter society? Yeah, so we announced that the Second Shooter Society was coming soon, probably about a month ago. Uh, if you were to go to the SecondShooterSociety.com right now, we do have our landing page. Uh, there's an ebook that you can sign up for. Um, it's called The Best Advice I've Ever Received. And so in the beginning, there's a little bit about what the Second Shooter Society is, who we're for, what our kind of our goals and mission is. And then it gets into there's 10 different photographers talking about the best advice they've ever received. Um, some of it's practical, some of it is kind of theoretical, uh, some of it's business, some of it's shooting. There's a little bit of everything. No, none of the 10 talk about the same thing. Well, that was great. Um, it was like a potluck, right? Nobody all yeah. bring dessert to the potluck. So that was. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, I, I uh, did something that was a little scary for me. And I reached out to a lot of the photographers that I look up to uh, over the years and people that other people follow. So. Uh, there's advice from uh, Mary Morantz, uh, Melissa Jill, Jasmine Starr, Caitlin James, um, Caroline Logan, uh, Amy and Jordan Demos. Gosh, I'm so bad that I'm not going to remember everybody's name. And I'm I sorry. I think Jamie's in there. You're in there. You give some advice. Amy Delane is in there. Yes. Um, Abby Grace is in there. Um, so there's a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content. So yeah, if you were to go to the Second Shooter website, uh, Second Shooter Society, website now, uh, free download, free ebook for you to get there. Um, our plan is to launch the full site. We are diligently working every day on getting things up and running. Uh, the plan is to launch the website in uh, springtime. My goal is for April. As Excellent. So it may be out by the time the show goes out, because we're recording this a little bit in advance. And so the site may, may already be up fully live functioning by the time this show goes out, but Let's we won't hold you to that. <laughs> we won't hold you to that. Yeah. Um, but no, there's, um, uh, a lot of great advice in the ebook and I'm so happy the way it turned out. Yeah, that's fantastic. And where, so where do you see the future going for the second shooter society? Obviously you want, you want to get the site launched and get that off the ground and then well, just yeah. continue to build it out and add more great resources and education. Can you give us an idea of what you're planning in terms of around the education or resources? Do you have? Yes. So, uh, when we launch our blog will be our main source of um, the most updated ongoing and we hope to post educational content three days a week 
Uh, when we launch, we will have a couple of posts already up there, kind of preloaded for people to go through. And one of the posts is actually going to be from Sarah Bradshaw, who has done a workshop in the past all about second shooting. And so the post that she's going to be talking about is, you know, you might expect to find a post around the web of, you know, what makes a good second shooter. But she's kind of flipped it around, and her post is going to be about what makes a good lead photographer, what makes somebody a good person to second shoot for? Um, You know, what makes them uh, somebody who's going to be a good fit for you? And kind of the questions that you should be asking yourself as you're going out and looking at different opportunities. So I thought it was a really interesting spin on that. Um, So, yeah, the blog is going to come out probably three times a week. We, uh, when we come out, the store will also have uh, some content. Every month we'll be adding new things. There'll be a couple free downloads when we launch just to get people um, interested in what might be there. Um, so those are going to be where we launch. We hope to do some webinars throughout the year um, with specific uh, photographers in the industry on more in-depth on specific topics that you might need to see visually to kind of understand more. That's fantastic. That's excellent. And is the goal of the site to be kind of a free resource, but there'll be some some stuff available for purchase type of idea, or will it be a subscription model, or is that still all in the works? Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, it's it's a membership site, so to be part of the database and the job connections that will be a member benefit. Obviously, a blog is available to anybody, so that's a free resource to yeah. any, um, any photographer, uh, whether you're a member or not. Um, the store, I haven't quite worked out if it's going to be a members only benefit. If it's open to everybody, the members would certainly get uh, discounted rates. One of the things I'm looking and doing once the site is all up and running and we get those logistics out is to start adding some more membership benefits, uh, perhaps uh, discounted rates with different partners in the industry, different services and uh, vendors that as a photographer, you might want to have a need for or, or using your business. And so hopefully we can form some partnerships and get that going for members as well. Excellent. So exciting stuff on the way. Perfect. So once again, if people want to learn more, um, they can go to the second shooter society.com. Then yes, yes, that's there. That's fantastic. Well, that's, that's great. I'm excited to, to see how this resource grows out and develop. Cause like you said, there isn't a lot out there for, you know, for second shooters. So it's, it's nice to see somebody finally putting together and focusing on kind of that second shooters. And, and even like, I'm sure you'll be talking about associate photographers because we haven't talked about that topic yet, but I think that's another um, thing that's, it's gaining a bit more popularity. You're starting to see more studios um, branch out and do the associate photographer thing. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be some, some great, uh, great content. So we look forward to seeing what you guys produce and hopefully we can have you back on a future episode to talk about, you know, get a, get an update and see where things are at and talk about some of those yeah. topics. Fantastic. That would be fantastic. Yeah. And so far, just like you said, a lot of the feedback that we've gotten so far is people see it as such a great resource that's un- it's, it's addressing an issue that has been, or an area that's been unaddressed. So people are seemingly really excited for what's to come. And I sure hope that's the case. And now we have the pressure to deliver it in, in just a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Excellent. That's that's good. Okay. Well, normally at this stage of the show, we'd, we'd answer a listener question and we have a, we have a listener question this week, but um, both Kelly and I took a look at it and we were like, mm, I don't know if we know an answer for this one. So we're going to, we're going to put this off to another episode. Maybe when Robert or Brian are back, they might have an answer to this. Um, but in the meantime, we want to hear from you and answer any questions that you may have. So if you have a question for us, just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com. You can leave a question for us um, on the blog post, or you can also send us an email. Uh, just email us at twip 
wed at thisweekinphoto.com. Uh, you can also send out a tweet if you prefer doing it that way. Just use the hashtag twipwed. Or a lot of people now are asking questions in our Facebook group. So lots of ways to ask a question in the show, and uh, we'll try and answer it on a future episode. But we are going to do our Picks of the Week segment this week. Um, so each episode, we will share a photography-related item that we think would benefit wedding photographers. Our picks can be anything as long as they're somehow related to photography or the business thereof. And Kelly, you have an excellent uh, pick for us this week, one that I had not heard of before. So what is your pick of the week? So my pick this week is an app. Um, it's called Mile IQ, and uh, it's a way to track business versus personal mileage that as you're out and about driving around. Um, it is a free app. You get up to 40, I believe, free drives uh, each month. Um, okay. If you, I, I think people drive a lot more than that. So if you need to upgrade, I think it's just $5 a month. And it's a really easy, you know, kind of swipe to the left, swipe to the right for business versus personal. Uh, you could leave it at that. You can categorize or kind of label what your uh, drives were on the business side. Was it a client meeting? Was it a shoot? Was it uh, networking? Uh, so there's a lot of different ways to, to categorize those. And it's a really easy, simple thing. And it's on your phone. We always have our phone with us, right? So in the, the GPS and the phone kind of tracks where you're going and, and calculates it that way. Awesome. So it'll give you a report at the end of the month and you can say, okay, I drove X number of, well, kilometers up here in Canada, miles for you in the States, um, for business and so many miles for, for personal. So when you're doing your taxes and things, you can figure out what usage of your vehicle and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Yep. Awesome. I figured this time of year, at least in the States, when we're getting ready to do taxes and thinking about business expenses, kind of a good one to think about. That's excellent. Yeah. Is that uh, Android, Apple? I imagine they have it for all the different devices. No, I have Apple and it works for me. So I'd imagine okay. they have it for different uh, platforms. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll take a look and see if there's a, a, a comparable version for Android and Apple. Just to, you know, we want to make sure everybody's treated equally. So we'll put uh, links to that in the show notes as well. Well, my pick this week, I'm, 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 I may pick one up. I'm going to WPPI next week and I'm uh, going to take a look at it. Um, I've seen them. Uh, it's just the, you know, the US dollar right now is killing us, but I may see if they have any show specials. Uh, my pick is the Holdfast uh, Sightseer camera bag. And I don't know if you've seen the Holdfast uh, straps, the camera straps. Yeah. So they have a, a nice uh, bag that attaches uh, to the uh, to their camera strap system, and uh, it's they call it their Sightseer camera bag. And it's kind of a modular lens system. So you, the bag itself has room for a few lenses, but then you can add uh, pieces onto the outside of it, and then it all attaches and hooks onto the Holdfast straps. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful bag. I, I've I've seen it once in person. And uh, so I'm going to check them out again in a WPPI and I may come home with one of those as a little gift for myself, but we'll see. <laughs> but that's my pick. Yes, exactly. A little souvenir. Well, very good. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of another episode of TWIP Weddings. Uh, once again, I want to thank our sponsors for their support. And we want to remind our audience to send in your questions for the show and share your thoughts by commenting on the blog post for this episode. So, Kelly, what have you got uh, going on and where can people go if they want to learn more about you and see your great photography, but also uh, learn more about the Second Shooter Society? I am definitely keeping up my own photography. Um, I run it under my own, my name, kellyulephotography.com. Uh, Instagram is at kellyule. Uh, Twitter, I've never really gotten into. I have a site, but I wouldn't recommend you go there. There's <laughs> um, not a lot of activity on there yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, the Second Shooter Society is thesecondshootersociety.com. And same for the Instagram is at the Second Shooter Society. 
Fantastic. Again, we will link to all those things in the show notes. And if you were looking for me, you can find me over at my website, which is momentsindigital.com. Or if you're looking for me on the social networks, you'll find me most of them uh, at Bruce Clark with an E at the end of Clark, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Google Plus, although I don't know, I haven't really been spending much time on Google Plus. So I'm, I'm like Kelly's in, uh, Twitter. Don't go to my Google. There's not much going on there <laughs> these days. And again, if you're looking for our show, uh, be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. There you'll find uh, this show and all the other great shows on the Trip Network. And thanks again for listening to Trip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. Mm-hmm.